Hi, I'm George Gale, and this is The Next Move. We're talking about how we can build the future we want from this moment. Today is our last episode of the season, and I'm reflecting on some of the things I've learned over the course of these conversations. Maybe a week before, like, COVID-19 was clearly going to be, like, a really big thing and be with us. People's Action and People's Action Institute staff had met in, uh, you know, somewhere around Jacksonville for our annual staff retreat and finalized, like, the best and most clear plan we've ever had. And a lot of times you have these moments at the end of a three-day meeting and you put all this butcher paper up on the wall and you've got a fairly clear plan and you're, like, exhausted by it. Like, we were, like not exhausted by it. We're like, this is clear as hell. It's exciting. It's the right stuff. It builds on years of work. And I'm energized, not tired looking at it. And then driving to the airport, the stock market started to tumble. And, you know, and, and within, I think, a week, we like grounded all the staff and we're not flying anywhere. And then as the pandemic hit, it's like every channel in my life was somebody else feeding me more bad news and evidence of how screwed we were, whether it was as progressives or as you know people in the United States or people across the globe. And I come from a theory of like, let's definitely face the brutal facts. Like I wanna know the hard truths we're up against, but sticking in that place too long is not, not a path to action and winning. And so I always, when I'm trying to figure stuff out, you know, call up people that I like to think with and so started calling up people to get their take on this or to test an idea. And at a moment when I think everybody was a little inundated with bad news, it felt like sharing some of the insights that I was picking up from these conversations with more people was going to be a good thing and something that would be good for other people and also give me energy. So that's that's where it started. So I've had a bunch of people reach out since we launched the podcast and as the episodes have come online. And the listenership's been really interesting. It's definitely included a lot of organizers, kind of other progressive sector folks, a good number of funders, and a disproportionate number of people from back home in Indiana. Things that have stuck with people. I mean, I think it would definitely include a statement Maurice said in the first episode in discussing defund the police, but also like the shit that white people have. And he kind of talked about how like black people have earned the right to the same things that white people have. Not only should just naturally have an equal right, but have actually earned that right and arguably earned more than that because of all black people did through slavery and so much more to build this country and build the economics of this country. That stuck with people. And I think some people had not heard it said in that exact way. And then for I think white listeners, people heard, I need to not, like my anxiety around trying to act in the world to address racism is not the problem of black people. And I just got to sort that shit out. Like, I think that really landed with a lot of people. I've had people reference it. And I know for people, this liminal stage that Ijen laid out between this kind of, you know, partly true, but also very kind of media, popular culture driven image of American working class as the guy in the hard hat or someone working on the factory line was never completely accurate by any stretch and is certainly out of date today and working class jobs today and and for a long time have been domestic work, caregiving, retail, service, delivery, and that we need to figure out how to turn those jobs because those are the jobs. Those are the jobs right now, and those jobs aren't going away, at least most of them, into really good jobs that are valued by society and culturally, but also in pay and protections, because they are the jobs of now. 
I mean, a lot of people who listen to this had not been walked through the history of dog whistle politics in America. And as people heard Ian lay that out, it helped people make a new common sense of moments that they remember in American life. And I think in particular moments in the Clinton administration, but beyond that, and they just never had a a language or way to talk about dog whistle politics and dog whistle racism in politics. And I had a lot of people reach out to me and say that was very sharpening. And hey, like everybody was agitated by Manisa's push for people to make a play and to get in the arena and do shit and take risks and like get off the sidelines. I've had people that are doing very little in the world of, of fighting for justice to people that are operating at the highest levels saying that was a good agitation. And Marisa's point around knowing what you don't know, if I had counsel to give to like a younger organizer, I think it'd be like, get really clear on what you don't know and what you're trying to figure out. And then like figure out who you're going to ask about that and like dig in with. Most good things that I've accomplished in my life come from actually being clear on something I don't know, but I know I need to understand it better. And then moving into an inquiry with other people and calling people up, which is what we did in this podcast, but is basically just a way of operating and a way of being. And I think kind of knowing where your spots are, where you're going to need some help. And like, and hopefully uh, other people call you up because you got spots where you can help them. I think a challenge of this moment for people's action and for, for any organization and for any human trying to create change is the fact we're in a period where you are just constantly having to pivot and constantly having to shift your focus and your emphasis and seizing moments. And it's a lot. And I worry. I mean, one of the things I worry about is I think a lot of organizers and a lot of change makers will break in the months and years to come because on top of, you know, centuries of of racism and patriarchy and so much evil shit, then you throw Trump into this and like a a visible rise in white nationalism, then COVID-19 and then more police killings. It's just, uh, it's just a lot for people to take and for people to both just take as human beings, but also to just constantly reinvent themselves as organizers and organizations. So I think we got to do all we can to make sure as few people break as possible. As I think about the conversations in this podcast, one sharp reminder is always asking ourselves the question of how is what we're doing addressing racism in America? I just feel like that showed up in all or almost all the conversations. And there's lots of things that we care about in terms of justice, economic justice, social justice, climate justice, all the justices and all the issues within there. But we just can't take our eyes off the prize of advancing racial justice and we get distracted. I mean, one of the things that I've really been sitting with is people I've talked to since George Floyd was killed, who I think consider themselves not racist, not necessarily anti-racist, but feel like they're not racist and they are proud of that in some way, coming to some recognition that actually in their lives, they have done absolutely zero to address racism or anti-Black racism in America, like nothing. And there's like, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people coming to that epiphany. And that is a big ass deal. And I think then the question for me is, is that a like a realization that results in a month worth of activity and conversation and donations or whatever? 
or is it something that actually extends and is like never the same because of this moment? And I feel like when I think about this moment in time, I actually feel like that is a thing that we've got to figure out. Like everybody that listens to this podcast has a role in helping extend that moment. I think George Floyd's murder was so calculated and so grotesque and so clearly had zero impact on the man that murdered him that as a police killing, it really struck the nerve of the country. And then I think that the fact that COVID-19 has incredible disparities in terms of health impacts, in terms of mortality, and in terms of economics, coupled with all of us being cooped up for a long time, like, you know, the shit was going to blow. If anything, it's surprising the shit didn't blow earlier. So I think that was all just kind of bound to happen. I think the meaning people made both of George Floyd's killing and other police killings and other killings of black people in that period and the meaning people made of protests and made of looting was different this time because of so much work that so many people have done for generations to help people understand anti-black racism in America. And as we talked about with Maurice in the first episode, even five years ago, the conversation would have remained about looting. And this time that didn't happen. And to me, when it comes to taking the long view, this is a reminder, like at times when it's sucking or it feels like we're climbing one hill, but there's so many more hills to climb. You just got to climb those hills. You just got to climb those hills so you can climb the next hill. And like a bunch of people have climbed so many damn hills so we could climb this hill. And this hill you get to the top of and you can see a whole new world that seemed wildly out of reach, you know, just a few months ago. I mean, this is, we're in the biggest moment to advance justice for black lives in America, like in my lifetime, for sure. And I think it has the potential to be a long and transformative moment in American life and part of an overdue reckoning that's taking place in the country. I think it's beautiful. I think it's the most important thing happening right now. And the question for me is, how do we bring as many people along in that moment? And how do we win as many things that actually improve Black lives? So we're not just winning on narrative, we're actually winning on policy and rules. I feel like that's what we got to do. So if that makes me super hopeful. And I think it's going to be swinging back and forth between beauty and progress and backlash over and over for the next 30 years. And I'm sure, you know, I don't need to tell black people this, but maybe I need to tell white progressives this. It's like, buckle up. It's going to be it's going to be rough. But I think the beauty is going to outweigh the evil. And I actually do believe we're going to get to the other end and be a very different country when it's all over. Look, I think we need to, like, wear a mask and keep organizing. We've just got to organize new people. Everyone is an organizer. You could organize five people that are already in your circle. You could organize people on your block. You could organize people at work. You could organize people on Facebook. We all have to keep organizing. And as Maurice said in the first episode, we're going to win through addition, not subtraction. Second, we've all got a role to play in helping people make meaning of the moment and helping developing a new common sense in this country. And that is not going to happen through like browbeating somebody on Facebook or one of your relatives. It's going to happen by sitting down, by 
actually listening, actually engaging a person and then sharing like, this is how I came to think about this. This is how I came to my worldview on this thing, like sharing, but we're in an ultimate meaning making moment. Like everybody's got a role to play. And then I do think one of the most important thing listeners can do is think about what is my part in helping extend this moment for black lives that's happening and doing everything possible to ensure that this is not a fleeting awakening, but actually something that sticks and is transformative in, in the here and now and in the long term. So I think we all have to like look and say, what am I going to do to help make that happen? And what am I going to do next month and the next month and then the next year and the next year? Because this is a moment that clearly doesn't come along very often in this country and we got to seize it and take it as far as we can. It's been great hearing from so many of you about what you've learned from this show and what you're doing about it. Please continue to write or just call me up. For my final wrap-up of this season of The Next Move, you can learn more about all of our guests and listen to all of the episodes at peoplesaction.org slash nextmove. And coming in September, we'll be releasing When We See Each Other, a six-episode documentary-style show about how organizers are creating a new story about rural America and why writing it off as Trump country hurts us all. This podcast was produced by People's Action and the Mashup Americans. It is executive produced by Amy S. Choi and Rebecca Lair. Our senior producer is Sarah Pellegrini, our development producer, Melissa Lowe, and production manager, Shelby Sandlin. Bye now. <laughs>